0: bro yeah you think you think you literally when, when rugby not going good it really feels like life's like over it feel like it's like the worst like you do like you don't want to be here
1: anymore hello and welcome to the pro rugby pod i'm your host brian moillette i'm a former irish international age grade player and each week i chat with a player a coach or a person involved at the top end of the game to hear about their story, get their insights, and find out what life is like in professional rugby. On Instagram, I'm the Offfield Rugby Coach. That's at off Rugby. Please follow me there and let me know any thoughts or feedback you have for the pod. Please subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening. And also, please share the pod with some friends. Those simple actions have a big impact and are really, really appreciated. On today's pod, I chat with Malon Aljabouri, who is a US Eagle and is currently playing in the English Championship with Eagling Trailfinders. I met Malon in 2016 when I moved to Lindenwood University as a player coach. He was 18 at the time in first year college, and that year he signed halfway through the school year to play with the USA Sevens. So he left St. Louis, Lindenwood University, and moved to San Diego to the Olympic Training Center started playing with them and traveling all over the world with the USA 7s on the World Series. He then was pulled back to the 15s and made his USA 15s debut when he was 20 years old. We chat about all of this that time, and he speaks about the difficulties with moving over and back between 7s and 15s. And he also opens up about why he recently abruptly left the USA 7s mid-season to move to London and pursue a new dream. Towards the end of the podcast, Malon talks about the effect that playing professional rugby has had on his mental health at times. He speaks about sleepless nights and how sometimes in the past, when he was dropped, he would go to dark places. But he explains a mindset shift that he's had recently, which is really powerful and it's helped him put things into perspective and better deal with the tough times that come with playing professional rugby. I certainly wish I'd heard him when I was younger and took on that mindset and perspective. This podcast starts a little differently. So when we both jumped on the call, we were catching up and chatting away. And it got to a point then when I said, all right, Melon, I'm going to hit record now. And then he just asked me a question right after that. So we kind of jump in from there. And the start of the podcast is just me telling him about what I'm up to now. And then we go from there. So here's episode number 17 with Melon al yeah, I'm living in Vancouver, but I'm in yeah. So I've been in Vancouver for the last like three and a half years, and then yeah, we travel a little bit for the coaching. So as I was saying, yeah, in Kingston um, till next Monday. So the girls play tonight, like national mm-hmm. championships quarterfinal, and then there's another game Friday, another game Sunday. It's pretty pretty ridiculous, like this is, it's this seventy unique, minute games, isn't so. it? Yeah, yeah, is that how it is in uh, yeah, Canada? Yeah. Uh, it's uni university, but no, no. Usually it's like one a week. But it's just yeah. because Canada's so big. So when they bring when they bring everyone together, like from across the country, they try and cram in the games. The games like remember yeah, in yeah. Linwood, we used to play two games in a weekend. Yeah, yeah.
0: When did you when you get on coaching the women's?
1: Uh, like two years ago, before COVID, yeah. just before COVID. So what happened was I I just saw like a job go up for the BC women's job. So then I like applied for that and then got the assistant coach of the BC women's backs and attack and then the head coach of that team was also coaching UBC the university team and he was like oh do you want to come out and I was like yeah sure and then that's like yeah two years ago but obviously COVID we haven't really played much so um, it's been good this season it's just we've just been playing how's England how are you enjoying that? Uh, England I mean
0: it's right. it's a big change from (laughs) it's a big change from San Diego like massive change I'm like what the like honestly I feel like I feel like I, haven't got, I just now got settled, like with everything. I just now feel settled. I've been here like six yeah. months. I've been here eight months, but at six months, then I started feeling like, all right, this is my home for now. So it took a, it took it took a long time to get me to like feel comfortable where I was because it's like everything is everything is different. Everything's different to me. It's mad.
1: Yeah, I suppose lockdowns as well. While you went there, but like, uh, yeah, yeah. What was the biggest changes?
0: It's like the transport. Like, obviously, when I was in San Diego, I drove everywhere. If I wanted to go somewhere, I drove. Um, or, like, yeah, if it was a like short walk, I walked to the grocery store. But, like, most time I drove. Like, here, everything's on the tube or the underground to get anywhere. It, why I swear. Everywhere it takes an hour to get there. Like, you go down the road, it takes an hour to get there. <laughs> um, but I think, I think that the biggest thing was definitely the tube, the transportation. Like, oh, man.
1: Oh, yeah, you got to learn all the maps and everything and, like uh... – how all the different connections and changes it was, it was, it was when I first got here it Was doing
0: my head in like I couldn't like remember I, I get on one place and I end up lost for like an hour or two um but I mean obviously as time as time progressed like when I first got here I literally got out when I got out of quarantine I went to like every end of the stop to like learn where I was going so I went all when I first got here I mean when I first got out of quarantine I went all the way to East London all the way to South London I was North London so I can figure out where I need to go just in case I'm down that road. Uh, in the future um so i'm pretty good now with the tube like honestly i'm like I'm pretty spot on i don't want really to get lost anymore but it took it took a while to learn to be honest
1: i'd say the weather's a bit of a shock as well yeah i'm right. I, I used to being on
0: the beach in san diego uh man the weather yeah the weather's not good but honestly i don't i don't mind the cold it just like the rain with the rain i don't like that if it was just cold straight up i wouldn't mind it but like i I'd, I'd be walking down the street and like 10 minutes later it'd be like pissing down rain and obviously, I'm not prepared for the rain. Then it stopped again. Then it like going back and forth for a couple of hours. Yeah, I don't like that at all. But, I mean, yeah, I know. It's London. I mean, outside the weather, London is like, I like London. It's real good. Like, there's always something to do. There's always something going on. And it's like, they got different varieties of, like, your different parts of London, like East London, North London, and South and West. Everything is a bit different. That's what I like about it the most, to be
1: honest yeah for sure what what kind of stuff you got up to outside of rugby
0: um i do uh, i walk a lot bro i swear <laughs> i sh- I probably shouldn't be walking as much as i walk outside of training to be honest um i, pr- I go to like a few like music uh gigs obviously since london's back open now things are getting like the musical like events are open uh what else i do i go to museums i go to a lot of museums obviously uh, london is big for that art museums and galleries uh, what else i would be doing honestly i would just be walking around seeing the sights i think last week you know a couple of weeks ago i went to bath just to obviously bath is a big pretty uh nice town so i went there i'm actually going to edinburgh tomorrow just enjoy the sights a bit yeah so that that should be all right but yeah just a lot of like cultural things with the when i'm outside of rugby
1: nice yeah Ed- i've never been to edinburgh but a load of my friends have it say it's cool it's like castles and real old stuff there that you yeah. certainly won't be seen in the states Nah, not nah, especially in Oklahoma <laughs> and there, and there. Actually, there's a few uh, there's a few Irish boys.
0: I might go visit I- uh Ireland in, on Christmas. I might go home for Christmas this year. Um, there's a few Irish boys from uh, I want to say from New York or Cork. I don't know which one it is. Cork. Yeah, Cork. There's a few boys from Cork um that might go visit during Christmas.
1: You mentioned San Diego there. How was living there playing sevens?
0: Ah, that was good. Um, because obviously coming from like Oklahoma, um, in I wasn't used to like a big city, um, but yeah, sevens is nice. I always get to travel around the world, um, and play rugby. So you can't really ask for anything better than that to be honest. Um, especially like 18 to 19 years old. I was like, this is, (laughs) that's why it was like easy for me to like to like up and leave Lindenwood, obviously like going to university. Um, then when they asked me if I wanted to come play sevens and like travel, I was like, yeah, why not? Um, but yeah, no, San Diego is unreal. I think that's probably one of my favorite cities in the world, to be honest. Obviously, like when I left, it was hard to leave. But like four, almost fourish years there, like I was kind of, I wasn't over it, like seven. But I was over like San Diego because like it's so good. It almost feels like not real. And like obviously, I I didn't picture myself living there forever. So um, it's like that's why I like London so much. I think because it's just different. It's different, whole different vibe from San Diego. Like, especially the weather-wise, obviously. but like, even, like, the people. uh, London is so, like, diverse. Because, um, obviously, being from, like, I'm, I'm not from a small town, but, like, nobody from my house or, like, from my home really leaves. All my friends never really leave. So, like, I did, I, they're almost, like, living through me when I travel and stuff, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, it was, it was easy going to San Diego.
1: Yeah. And why did you, did you want to leave, like, when you went to Lindenwater? Like, did you want to get out?
0: Uh, it's not that I want to leave, but like I don't know. I feel like I don't know. It's like obviously college rugby isn't. I don't know. To me, it wasn't. It wasn't the best. I'm not trying. I wasn't trying to say like I'm like I. I think I didn't belong there. I was better than everybody. No, I just like I wanted to play at the like top level in the states. And I feel like sevens was because you're you're playing professional rugby uh, all year round. Like it's like non-stop, So that's what I wanted to do. That's why I was like, this is an easy decision. Um. But obviously, when I in the moment, I was like my first or second semester. I told my mom I was leaving. She was like, "You're not leaving." Because <laughs> <took> some... <laughs> uh, it was it's out of state tuition, so obviously, like where you get full scholarship. You get like pretty close to full scholarship, um, but not full. So you're leaving like you're leaving money, like free money on the table to go to go make not that much money in San Diego and play rugby. Um, so my mom wasn't she, honestly, she wasn't the happiest, but she wanted me to do what I wanted to do. So. <laughs> Oh <laughs> wait, um. But yeah, I, I don't regret it at all. I love honest.
1: Yeah, nice. And no, with, like Tulsa. Did you wanna like you say some of your your buddies are still there and they're kind of living through you? But like, did you wanna kind of go see different places? Like you're talking about now, like the travel and everything. Did you when you were a young young lad want to go out and about?
0: To be honest, no. I've like, cause I, I when like in high school, I had a girlfriend. I thought, I, I honestly thought I was gonna just gonna like graduate and uh graduate high school and stay in Tulsa and like get a job. I didn't really like bother, like and I didn't think about that far. So I didn't I honestly had no um if I if I had told myself like back then you'd be doing this now, I'd like nah not a chance. Um, Cause I mean I've done like some fair bit of traveling and now I didn't think about traveling at all. I didn't like come to my mind. Like most of my, most of my friends back home don't even have passports. Um yeah, so it's, like, wild to me that, like, sometimes I just sit there and think, like, oh, I live in London, it's, it's weird. Um, but, not nah, it's sick.
1: Yeah. And then, how did Lindenwood come about? Uh,
0: how did Lindawood come so long? It was, like, ages ago. Uh, JD, our friend JD, um, he was doing some recruiting, in you know, um in, like, my area. Because we have, like, three high school teams, or four, three or four high school teams that just play each other all year, not all year round, but in rugby season. And, I want to say he just, he was snooping around. Obviously he lived in St. Louis and he was snooping around. I like my, my, uh, coaches sent some film because Linwood was a decent university when I was in high school, sent some film or contacted them. And then he came out and watched and he actually drove down to Lindenwood, meaning drove down to Tulsa to meet me and Chance at our coach's house. Um, and it was weird because like, obviously you don't think of recruiting a, a rugby like that, like as much as football, American football. So he came to our house. Then, like that's when we kind of decided that we were going to go to Wood, uh to play rugby, which is which weird to say because obviously Chance is playing in MLR right now, and like we both we both played in the same high school, uh, and like obviously we're both Eagles now. So like it came it came a long way, I, I suppose, and it's weird that how it all ended up.
1: Yeah, Um were you playing football as well at that point?
0: Yeah, I played I played football. I went to I actually committed to go to a, a JUCO. Uh, my senior year, um, i do go to try to get a D one offer after that. Um, I I got some small D ones, but like nothing like anything big at all, uh, like rural small schools. But I wanted to go to JUCO to see if I can get anything better. But like two weeks before, I um I was supposed to report to football like training camp or whatever it is. I told the coach I didn't want to play anymore, and that's when I was in Lindenwood. Um, so I was I was pretty close, to, honestly, just like not playing rugby, but. Rugby is definitely the best decision i made, to be honest. Even though it's like, I think at this point, it's like a love and hate relationship. I think when you get that professional level, it becomes more of like a job rather than like when I first played it, which I love. I mean, I still love it, but obviously it's different. Different type of love.
1: And why did you make the shout to go at rugby when you were kind of looking at that football route?
0: Uh, I feel like, I just like, when I just look on the internet and everything, social media, like rugby, it's like you travel. Like, I wanted to travel the world. Uh, Cause like when I went to when I was in sick when I was 16, I went to Rotherham Park Sevens, uh here in London with the like I think the the U16 Sevens team or whatever, and we went to, we played uh, out here. It was my first time abroad, and after that I was like, oh, I definitely want to like travel. So I was like, all right, I, I surely I got to play rugby if I want to travel more. Cause American football you won't you wouldn't be able to travel as much as your rugby, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, so when you started playing rugby, and you got that kind of that kind of taste, where you just like, I want to travel. And that was was that your goal then to like kind of just travel through rugby?
0: Um, honestly, I just wanted to play. I wanted to play like the best, or like with like my highest level rugby as I possibly can. That honestly, that's why I moved to London, because I I obviously like the pinnacle, not the pinnacle, but like the top rugby leagues is the prim. And obviously, I, like with Ealing, I have a, like we have like a goal to get to the prem and play. Obviously, you're gonna play the best. So that's that's what I consider the best. Uh, to me. Um. So obviously, in America, that was sevens at the time. Um, being able to go there and train full time. Then obviously, Olympics. But then I was like, I don't really want to do that. I want to play. Like I love. I I love sevens, but 15 is where where I started playing rugby. Um. Uh, then obviously, I came back to it with the
1: moving over here. Yeah. So what you played started playing when you were 16, was it? Or 15? 16, yeah. And then when you're 18, 19, you're playing with the USA 7s in San Diego.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's weird how like the whole timeline is, you know, I can't like sometimes like I said I sit there and think it's like I uh, I didn't know they I'd go this far with rugby because it's so cause, like we only had three we had three teams in my high school, like three or four teams. And we we pop teams every weekend. So I was like, oh, this is not that serious. It's just like it's something to do on the offseason of uh, high school football.
1: Yeah. Uh, did you ever feel like that? Uh, you were, like learning on the job, like you know, like you don't even playing like two, three years, and then you're playing with some of the best seventh players in the world, and on the series.
0: Um, honestly, I feel like I had like a. I honestly, feel like I had like a natural, like I'm just like not obviously natural good at rugby, but it's like it was like I was okay at it. Was like it was really like just like something random to me. It's like because when we first started playing, it's about like catching the ball and tackling people. And that's what I did growing up with like my brothers and stuff. Like all we did was like throw a ball up in there and tackle each other and run. So I feel like it was like natural fit. Obviously when you get the higher level, there's more uh it's more uh technical stuff. Like I remember when I got the sevens, I couldn't pass off my left hand. Like, I literally couldn't pass. I was kind not do like like a four or five meter pass and obviously being with sevens full time. And you, you get that, you just get that training and, and then will be all good.
1: So like in there, just started like repping left-handed passes, repping skills and just getting you up to speed. Oh yeah.
0: I remember Mike, Mike Friday, I had to like do like a hundred passes after training every day. Like I, we wouldn't stop passing. It was crazy. Like obviously when I, in the moment I was like, oh, this shit sucks. Like I want to do this all day. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't pass either. So it was like, it was embarrassing. But yeah, then obviously you do it for fucking like three or four years. You're like, all right, we can pass now. Nah, that's why I honestly, I recommend, not recommend, but like for any, because obviously when I was younger, we didn't have the MLR. So I honestly felt like, I still feel like the, the if you're a young kid or like a young adult and you, you can't really crack into MLR right away and like sevens, being in San Diego is the best thing that happened to me because I learned the skills and training 24-7 basically all year round helped me with my skills immensely. Like it's crazy obviously I don't. I don't use those skills as much as I do it, like in the 15s, But having those skills, like you can use them, is like vital to me. And like it made me like grow into the person or the player I am today.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And what was the training like? I'd say it was pretty savage, what was it? Training to be a sevens
0: player. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, honestly, fitness not my. That's not my. I can go to. Um. Uh, yeah, it's like we have like sometimes like it depends like if we're right before a tournament we would have a uh, gym session in the morning and two field sessions, uh, which is a lot of running. Like, we would, I think we do, like, honestly, I don't know if I'm, I'm 100% right on this, but, like, 6 or 7K, a, a, train, a training session? Yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, somewhere around there, because I mean, it's been forever since I've trained sevens. What it feels like. Um, so that was the type of the days, and, like, if it wasn't uh, like HB camp, which is right before we go into tour, sometimes you would be no gym or like th- three field sessions, and like obviously, it's not really fitness, but like playing sevens is training sevens is fitness as it is. So just imagine when we do actually do fitness tests and like uh, yaka yards and stuff, which is like miserable. I didn't like that at all, but yeah, and then we got through it after a point, after a while, you just get ingrained in you, then you just head down and you just keep going. Um, uh, but like when you first started, I the worst things I hated the most was like going to off season and had like Christmas break, then coming back. Because you can't, you can't train sevens at home like on your own. Like you can work out and like do fitness, but there's nothing that matches the game or training that like, you can do at home on break. So like I always struggle coming back from Christmas.
1: Yeah, and then just after a while, you just you, you're thinking probably about it at the start, and you're thinking about it, and then after a while, you just start doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, honestly, because like obviously like, the the older boys like Brett Thompson, Falau, uh Martin uh Pinky, obviously like they they've been they've been there since like 2015, like a little bit a little bit earlier than that as well. So like they like it, like they just I talked to them after when I was younger. Um just you get used to it. Like you it's a grind like it's not easy to be a summers player at all. Um but it's definitely worth it because obviously it travels and stuff like that.
1: And where where'd you like going on the series? My,
0: my favorite stop, I got two favorite stops. I mean I like them all but uh, I actually got three. The first one would be, right, I'll say Hong Kong. The first one's Hong Kong because Hong Kong is sick because um, obviously the, the stadium is packed. Then like Hong Kong, the city itself is like crazy. Um, Hong Kong, then I'll say it's a tie between Vancouver. I don't, I don't know why I like Vancouver. So I'm like, I love Vancouver. Um, Vancouver and uh, Cape Town. Yeah, Cape Town is mad. Especially playing South Africa in, in Cape Town was like, the the fucking floor was shaking. They all about their, uh, their team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like my first start was in Vancouver versus South Africa. My my first start on the seventh circuit. Um, yeah, we didn't win, but I mean, it was a good experience.
1: Yeah, for sure. They're loud down South Africa, aren't they? Those crowds. That's crazy. It's
0: I I obviously like South Africa or Cape town in general, the city itself is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, they love because South Africa is so good. like they're like one of the best teams in the circuit every year. So obviously, playing them in South Africa is tough. It's always gonna be tough.
1: Yeah, you know when you're playing and there's a big stadium and like a sevens atmosphere and everything, it's going crazy. Are you like focused on the field or can you take it in a bit?
0: I don't know. Honestly, I have trouble like being in the moment when I'm playing the game. Sometimes I just like go, if anything rushes past me. I don't. I don't even realize what's going on. Um, I feel like when I was playing sevens, I didn't really notice the crowd. I mean, I heard them, obviously, but I didn't really like, like when the ball was dead or like when the ball, like the line, I began right for line or whatever, when the ball was like not in play, I didn't really notice how many people were watching or how many people were like, everyone was yelling and stuff. I think I just kind of like focused on what was like in front of me, Well, I didn't pay
1: attention at all, to be honest. No, that's a good thing. It's a good thing, definitely, that you're just focused on the game. And then you were kind of chopping around 15s. You played a good bit of MLR yeah. while you were playing sevens. How did that come about? Like I said,
0: I, mean, I started with 15s, and like I was, I wasn't like integrated into the 15 setup, or the national team setup. But they would have a look at me. And then when I first left sevens, right before the World Cup, I went like I've been trying to play 15s every now and then. If when uh, I get released from the sevens program, it was kind of hard because obviously. Uh, sevens have their own agenda. Fifteens has their own agenda. They're not really like uh, agree on things with players sometimes. Um, so then I then I that's when I realized if I want to make the World Cup or even have a go at it, I need to like stop playing piece, uh, sevens for a bit. But that's when I went to M L R or uh, Glendale, which is not a team anymore, which is crazy to me because I thought that was like the USA capital of rugby or whatever it was. Which is unfortunate because I like, had a good setup and a good field. Um, that's when I, I decided I, I had to leave sevens to go to try for the world cup, uh, which was, that's probably one of the hardest decisions I made today is one of them. Um, because obviously I was getting a little bit of playing time with the sevens and obviously it's leading up to Olympics and I was young. I was like mm, 20 or 21. i was like, if I leave, I probably won't be able to come back, but I ended up leaving anyway. Cause I knew I had a goal. I, w- I wanted to achieve this goal. and I obviously I ended up achieving it. So, yeah, I worked out I was playing. Yeah, that's how I got little, little like, in between of, like, playing 7s and 15s, which was tough as a back row because I lost weight.
1: Yeah, what can, What was your weight, like, say, playing 7s versus kind of fighting weight at 15s?
0: When I was playing 7s, like, and 7s, I was, like, 101, maybe 100 Yeah, uh, kegs. Then, obviously, leading to the World Cup, and they put an emphasis on, like, my weight. I I was I was borderline like one hundred six one hundred five. Then like by the time the World Cup came around, I was like one hundred eight one hundred nine. So I put on some weight, um, which was a was a killer. To like when I came back to seven, <laughs> I was tough, kind of dying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you definitely had to, I had to put on weight, especially in the back row. We had some big boys in the back row, so I had to.
1: Yeah, and when did you what How long have you wanted to go to a World Cup, or when did that goal come about?
0: See, that, that's so weird because I didn't I didn't even, like, picture it in my head. I just feel like it's not – it's hard to explain because it's not like I wanted to. Like, I really, like, I wanted to do this so I could stop playing. It's like I can make it, so I want you to know, just try it. I think I can make it. I think I'm a good enough player to make it, so let's just do it. Um, like, with sevens, like, I never pictured myself playing sevens at all. Like, I didn't, like – they just came to me. Like, if they didn't come to me, I wouldn't have tried, to be honest. It's, it's, it's just so weird with rugby, like, but first like my journey. I didn't, it's not that I didn't want to do it, but you know how some people have goals, like I want to make this, I want to do that, and I want to do that. I didn't really, I didn't really do that with my process about going to like potential Olympics. Obviously I gave like that up and the World Cup. But I think the one time I did have a goal is now, like I want to play in the prim. That's what I want to do. Um, And I th- I've been thinking about that for the last couple of years. And that's like my goal, and I'm I'm doing. A, I think I'm in the right place to do that as of now. But before that, I didn't really have. I didn't really set out like I want to go to the World Cup. It just happened. Happened, I guess. It's kind of weird to say. Obviously, I tried and I put in the work to do so. But I didn't really put out like I didn't put it right in my notebook. I want to go to the World Cup 2019. I didn't do any of that.
1: Yeah, and so for all the other all the other things as well were crazy. How like quickly they happened for you going and playing sevens at 18 well, were 18, 19 your first semester or it was and the Christmas of your first year in college getting called yeah. up to USA sevens and then like getting on the series pretty quickly and then getting your 15s cap it all everything happened yeah. very quickly for you but you're saying that you didn't have these big goals like I want to do this I want to do this I want to do this it was just what were you just enjoying yourself just playing rugby
0: I don't know I think I was, like I was being from Oklahoma I didn't expect to be living in St. Diego like traveling the world and like I remember like my first year on the circuit, I didn't take any pictures when I went to I was like I was not like oh, I didn't I didn't know what it was like. I was like, Yeah, this is cool. Like I didn't realise what I was at until like I remember like I told my mom like we travel around the whole circuit and was like, You yeah, had any pictures I was, like nah, I just I was just there playing rugby or whatever. Then my year two, year three, that's when I started like doing stuff in the cities that we visited because I realized like this is where I am. That first year I didn't I was like, This is just like this is whatever that it wasn't cool, yeah. obviously it was cool, but I was like starstruck that I was here or whatever. Um but yeah that's yeah, weird yeah, it all happened real fast like from the fifteenth from the sevens cap to the fifteenth cap to the World Cup and obviously now like living in London.
1: And how was the World Cup? How was that experience over in Japan?
0: Yeah Japan oh, I love Japan. I honestly could live in Japan. Um the food was good, the people were nice I think they did that. I would, I would love to see. I was, I was disappointed that obviously with what COVID happened, like Japan didn't really get to properly like do the Olympics, because in the in the World Cup it'd be like what teams would be? It'd be like USA versus Tonga. Like obviously we're to both two two countries, but the stadium is packed. They didn't care who was playing. They didn't care at all, and it was packed. So I can only imagine the Olympics, like how they the the Japanese people were
1: get around it. Yeah. No, for sure. And then so in the lead up to that, you went play the World Cup, you went playing fifteens, you went to Glendale. And was it did the head coach of the 15s say, While you're playing sevens, hey Malon, I think you're good. Come play fifteens. You should think about going to the World Cup. Or is that did he reach out to you?
0: I mean, obviously like I was capped before the before the World Cup and like before I left, I had a couple of caps and like they knew about me, but they didn't they didn't come to me and say like we need to play fifteens uh you need like not leave sevens, but you need to think about playing seven I mean leaving sevens and playing full time fifteens. But they didn't tell me that, but like this like I knew back in my head if I'm gonna do something, I wanna do it like with a hundred percent. I mean, I honestly thinking back at it, I maybe could have made the seven, uh the the World Cup still playing fifteens, I mean still playing sevens. Because obviously in the summertime we're done and you know, leading up to the games, I couldn't made it. But I didn't want to put that at risk. Um uh, and I honestly I wouldn't try something new. Um, I was I lived in Denver for six months. My brother was in Denver, but being a little close to him uh, was good. But no, I, I didn't get like, yeah, you need, to, you need to leave sevens to come play 15 so you make the World Cup. Not like that. I just took a risk. Yeah, I kind of just took a risk, and I feel like I was good enough to make it. And I put all, I put all my eggs in one basket, leaving sevens and you know, 15, and it all worked out eventually
1: yeah for sure when you say there, are like a few different ones like you felt you're good enough to make it and like you've made pretty much everything but uh have you always kind of just believed in your ability like you've always been a good athlete and you just believe like yeah i can do this
0: uh yeah i honestly yeah um i i have doubts like i sometimes i'm like i'm not gonna do that but sevens had i had moments or like uh, games where in "Was like oh sevens is tough think <laughs> for me because it's so draining on the body and like Obviously being like a bigger, a bigger boy, it's like, I'm like, the same thing for me, this is too hard. Um, especially the fitness. Um, but I always, you know, I always back myself to an extent. Then I feel like I could make it. And that's what eventually happened.
1: And when you're making those decisions, do you ever chat to anyone else? Like decisions to go 15-7s, move this club, that club, go to London?
0: I think when I was younger, when I was like 21, 22, the first time I left Sevens, I asked a lot of people because I was young. And I, honestly, I was scared because like, I didn't know what I was like. What if it didn't work out and then I, I'd be stuck or whatever. Um, so when I, when the first time I left, I asked a lot of people. Then as I got older, I realized like it don't – it it's not like it's rude, like, coming off rude. It's like it don't matter what they think. Or like obviously some people I value, like my brother, I value like, really well and some coaches that – that coached me in high school, I value really well. So I thought they, I asked them what they thought. Then all of them said like you should do what you want to do regardless of the outcome. It's like one of the biggest decisions I made to my to uh to my life up to this point was leaving for leaving to London because honestly I feel like I was in the thick of it to make the Olympic squad. Like I was I had a really, really good chance to make the Olympic squad. Then like leading up to the past couple years, I just didn't. I didn't like it as much as I used to, um, and that's a bunch. There's a lot of things I played in part to that. And then that's why I up and left because it was like middle of the season. I left to move to London, so it, was, it wasn't playing all. I remember I was talking to Eileen about coming over Real Madrid in the tournament. Then when I get when I get back home to LA uh, to San Diego, I'm packing my bags and like moving all my stuff to move to London. So it wasn't it wasn't playing at all. It was all sp- it was a bit spontaneous, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I have people I talk to, but like, as I've gotten older, I feel like, regardless of what decisions I make, I'm the type of person that I used to like look back at it, and like, oh, if I did this, I would have done that, or I shouldn't have did this, and I probably regret it, or I overthink. But now I'm at the point where like I just do it because I just want to do it, and I feel like I think life's more about experiences, and like, yeah, I can I can always go back home to America. But yeah, I feel like I, I wanted to experience London and living in London and moving into London as well as having a goal with Ealing to uh, get into the prem and like, play top-level rugby.
1: Class. And so you just said, Sevens, whatever, a few things just weren't liking it and you just said, I need to change the scenery.
0: Yeah, I just, I mean, like some, like, environment. It's not like anyone, like, I was treated badly or not. It just like, I'm really big on my environment and like the like culture of the team and it, it was I'm not saying it was bad at all not, I'm not saying that at all it just I feel like it was my time to move on and I was saying that I was still I, mean, I was 23 or 24 and it's kind of like weird to say that it'd be like being that young Um, but yeah I just feel like it wasn't it was my time to go like I was done with San Diego um, and I wanted to try something new
1: and how did Ealing come about then
0: because because Andrew Tolo played for Ileene, Ben Landry played for Ileene, so like they had like an American connection a bit, and they were interested like a couple years ago, uh, just a little bit, like not nothing crazy, um, before before the World Cup, but nothing came of it. The- I told them I wanted to play sevens to give the Olympics a go. Um, then they came back, like yeah, like eight six, like six seven months ago, talking about like, what do you think about after the Olympics? Then I said potentially they might have looked at me after Olympics, but it was nothing concrete, and I didn't want to risk that because I really wanted to play for teams and I really wanted to play in the like get to like the best level and that's abroad. So yeah, so I made a decision, and that was honestly, that was one of the hardest decisions I ever made in my life, um, moving to London. So I made a decision like, all right, I'm so I'm going to get. Up. I didn't tell my mom until I got my t- my ticket booked. That's how that's how fast everything moves. I remember like. When they call me, say your ticket booked, you fly on this day or whatever. Then that's when I call my mom, like the phone call after, and I'm like, I'm moving to London. Then at, the, at, this, at this point, she knows how I am. Like, I'm a bit like random and a bit spontaneous. So, like, she was like, all right, cool. Like, uh, you could be able to come home before I leave. Cause she knew, she knew like how, how I am now. I just go, whatever, and do whatever. So, she wasn't too surprised I'm moving to London. Uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, that's how Ealing came about.
1: That's cool. And so she just, like, at the start was probably like, What, well, Melon? Oh, think about this, think about that. And now she's just like, oh, He's just going to go all over the world. He's just going to do his thing and yeah. whatever. Let him at it.
0: Yeah, yeah. When I first, I also, when I moved to St. Diego, she asked me all these questions like, Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? But then obviously, like, Fast but, like, four years later, like, I've grown up a bit and she kind of like figured out how I am, like, like, the travel and stuff. She wasn't surprised at all. She was like, Yeah, and you and I love that, enjoy it, whatever.
1: Yeah. So how long did you sign a one year with Ealing, or what, what's the deal?
0: I signed, uh, uh, two years, but when we get to the prim, uh, hopefully, which is this year, we're look we're we're looking good to get into the prim this year. Every keep working hard and getting at it every week. Um, I we have to renegotiate, like uh, my contract. We have like 14 days to renegotiate. If we don't come to terms, then I can I can move on. They move on. Whatever whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, I mean, like come like come summer. It will, hopefully we get to the prim. Like it is it could be a possibility that I won't be here next year or possibly that I sign two years. Like it could be whatever whatever the case may be. Um seen my goal is to play in the prim, so yeah, we just see how it goes. I don't I yeah, try I, don't to, I try not to look too far in because that's just how you overthink and I'm a person that overthinks naturally. So I just like I'll just play what's in front of me. I'll do my best to.
1: It'll all work out. Yeah, yeah, no doubt.
0: Yeah, I've been like everything. Yeah, if it happens, it happens. It's supposed to happen. Like honestly, I don't spend like this is weird talking about rugby because I don't I don't talk about rugby at all. Like I like especially here, um, just because like I almost got to the point where like now that the less I care about rugby, it's not that I don't care at all. Like, obviously, I'm going go every day, work hard, and like, do what I have to do. But like I don't care about it to the point where like I don't stress about it. Or if I if I mm. if I act like I don't care about I don't care about it, that's when I play my best. So like when we like mm. when we go out the boys, I try not to talk about any rugby because like I don't care. Because like regardless of if I'm mad about selection or if I'm like hurt or whatever, or if I'm not hurt, I'm gonna, I'm going gonna and to train and play like the best I can. It's not I think mean, it's disrespectful to the sport if you if you don't go out there and do your best because people, especially being an American, I feel like people trying to get abroad all the time, and it's really hard. Uh, to get here as an American. So I think I'm not sure if I'm like the only like natural born American to, is to play in abroad at the moment. Cause obviously we have some boys who are at residency and stuff like that. Um, so I honestly feel like it's really hard. And I still feel like that way. Sometimes I feel like I'm looked at a bit differently. Um, and not just like by my club, just like Americans in general are playing rugby abroad. They looked at a bit like not, you're not supposed to be or like you're not, you're not that good. Uh, I'm not saying like everyone has that perception of um, uh, interpretation of that of American rugby players, but like I feel like that was leading up to me coming over here. It was like that a bit.
1: Yeah. No, I, I 100% uh, agree with that. Like that perception that you say, and it's like, before I moved to America, to be 100% honest, it's like, you're kind of like, oh, are these guys that good? or For sure. Like, just to be honest. But uh, But then, so do you feel like kind of you have a bit of a kind of point to prove when you're over?
0: Yeah, I feel like, obviously like one of my goals is now, like I have a goal now to play in the print, but also want to prove that like there's some good American rugby players that can play abroad. You just gotta you gotta like invest into them. Then like what happens, like you invest in somebody and like they like they feel that you want you want them around. Then like they could be I'm not saying all like there's bad players everywhere, there's good and black players everywhere. Um you gotta pick the right ones. And obviously that's a job for the coaches and recruiters and stuff. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's a a, a point where I wanna play in the prim personally. And I want to prove that people like American rugby players can play, like top level or like get to the top level.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. It's cool you mentioned there. Like, I just stopped caring about rugby, or and I get I get a hundred percent what you mean. And uh, stop talking about, it, stop being so like invested in it. We'll say. But was there a moment where you were like, yeah. you got to do that, or where you decided that?
0: Um. Yeah. I, honestly, it started. I, like my like my you know, like my like how i tr- like felt about rugby started like to go down a bit when i started playing when i like my back end of year playing sevens i didn't really like it as much and i mean don't get me wrong i love i love i love the sport and you know, like, it what like it brought me to um but it's like sometimes it just like like it, it, it messes you like mentally like obviously you'll get picked for a team you think you should play this you think you should play that injuries then like when i got to where like none of that really matters because, like, like, I get to play, I get paid to play rugby, and, like, it's crazy. Like, I got friends at home, or people at home who, like, kill to be in my position, so I just try to, like, focus on that and just enjoy like, like, what I'm doing rather than, like, worrying about, like, all like, contract situation, like, money or, like, am I going to pick for USA? It's just, like, what's supposed to happen is going to happen, like, regardless. Because, um, obviously, like, mental, like, mental, especially, like, obviously being uh a mental health is massive, and, like, for me, it works. For me. The less I care about the rugby, the like better I play, and the more like I'm just to my, my like more myself. I'm not worrying about it as much. Like I said, that doesn't say like I'm not gonna train as hard. It just like literally gonna train the same. Just like not invest so much time into it.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. I think that's good for you too. Like knowing knowing you the way you're just chilling, laid back, and not don't like worry too much about things.
0: It's gonna be alright. Everything's gonna be okay.
1: Yeah, you don't need to be stressing. And uh, so, what kind of stuff do you like getting up to when you switch off from rugby? I saw on Instagram there last year you got into plants and different stuff and like growing those. And
0: oh yeah, first thing I did when I first got to London, I went to a plant shop and spent like oh, that's been like like two hundred, three hundred pounds on plants. <laughs> um, I got like I got like twenty, twenty five plants in my room. So I got the plant thing is massive. I was doing the candles in America but mm. i kind of i kind of stopped doing that because obviously moving to london there's so much things you got to worry about like the, the little bitty things like uh, bank bank transfers or like setting up a bank account uh the, like doing taxes all that stuff that i had to worry about so the last thing i'm worried about is candles but i think i think if i if i come next summer if i like sign again for like a multi-year or whatever which hopefully that will happen. I start doing candles again. I don't want to do candles. I want to do it for four months and move again. I don't want to do that at all. That's the last thing I would want to do. So yeah, I just, honestly I just I almost, I always listen to music. Honestly, the boys on the team, I show like some of the boys on the team that who live in London from London, I show them around. That's how I well like know how I know like the spots or like what to do, and like the tube and like the underground or the, uh, the train station or whatever. Like, I kind of show them where it is, the where to go, and and every time a new boy comes. I I kind of show them like what's this, what place is that, what place is that? Because that's what like I value like outside of rugby, like especially just going for a coffee or whatever.
1: Yeah, but are there any areas in London particularly like going to?
0: Yeah, I'm more like East London. Like I love East London. and like, I would live out there honestly if I could. If it was in the hour commute, if I don't wake up, at, if I have to wake up at five a.m. every day. I would live out there a hundred percent. It's like more East London is like more honestly like a bit more edgy. It's just like an edgy alternative, like like free spirit a little bit. And that's what I like. Uh it's big like the music scene is big. Uh, the plants, uh, they have plant shops everywhere, but like there's a big plant like flower market in the East London. Um uh, yeah, honestly, I spend most of my time in East London.
1: Yeah. Have you got into any English music? Uh
0: I've I've been I've been like going a bit with the drill, but I can't do too much. I can't do too much UK drill. <laughs> stormzy a bit aggressive yeah stormzy uh there's an auntie cute I, I don't even know the names but stormzy uh dave i guess Dave's more of a hip hop like like old drill like people one thing i noticed about london which is kind of like it's not upsetting but it's, it's like i don't understand it like some people who live in east london will never ever come to west london ever like they never some, some people never been to west london i'm like it's our like it's, it's really like six, no, it's not six hours. It's like, it's like 10 mile difference. But they wouldn't go there. Because like, for one, the people are different. And it's like, they they tell me when I ask them, like, I have no, I have nothing over there that I need. I ain't going over there. And, and the same is back and forth. Like West London would never go east. The locals here, obviously like tourists, people who don't live here will. But like South London is the same. People who live in South don't go to North London. I think, I think this thing is crazy. You live like like 10 miles from each other and like yeah. i can understand like in america someone someone who live in cali they're not going to the east coast because like it's like it's like a six hour yeah. flight but you're literally living like a train like like a like a train away or a tube away so that's one thing i didn't understand about being in london at all
1: yeah it's it's funny isn't it yeah like how yeah some people are just don't want to travel i suppose and then once you once you kind of get the bug for it though you want to you want to go don't you?
0: Yeah, and one thing, but they they travel obviously like being in Europe, being in like in the center of Europe, the center of the world, like you travel like different countries and stuff. But they wouldn't travel like ten miles to go see West London rather than East London.
1: Yeah, um,
0: but I mean, I, one thing I do get, I mean, it's a different vibe. It's a total like, West London from East London from all like different parts of London. It's all different. That's why I like it so much because it's like a variety. Like there's a there's a vibe and like there's a culture, there's a scene for everybody, all walks of life here. That's what I like London the most.
1: Yeah. Have you been to Europe at all or or any plans to go to like mainland Europe?
0: I have plans. I I might do some traveling. obviously I'm going I'm trying to do like Scotland and Wales since it's so easy to go to and you'll need there's no restrictions or at all. You can just like literally just walk in, you just need a train there. But I'm trying to do like Croatia and like stuff like that in the it, Christmas or the summertime. But obviously summertime is hard cuz I hope I'm hopeful that I'll be involved with the Eagles again in the summer but yeah i'm definitely gonna travel more than europe uh when i can
1: so you're flying up to edinburgh
0: uh no train train yeah it's like a five-hour train yeah five-hour train easy yeah nice yeah, when yeah. It, when, like it's weird because like obviously in america you have to fly everywhere like no one says oh i'm driving to new york new york real quick i I'll taking a train to new york <laughs> or whatever it is and i just hop on a train to a different country i'm like yeah i'm 100 percent doing that so yeah, and that that'd be good. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can go even to Paris on the train from yeah. London.
0: Yeah, you can go. Yeah, we did. We did that with the um the Eurostar uh, with the sevens. We would play London sevens in Paris. That we went under the English Channel or whatever it is. Yeah, it's crazy how much you like. I'm looking at like Skyscanner, and I'm looking at these flights, and they're, like, obviously, when you're in America, you look at flights like eight hundred, nine hundred dollars to go to Europe. I'm looking at a flight to Amsterdam. It's like like twenty pounds. I'm like, what? <laughs> It's crazy. It's honestly like, what the hell? I can't believe it. That's so weird. But then, like a beer, a beer, like a, a pint, would be like, like eight quid. But then a yeah. flight to Amsterdam be like twenty quid. I'm like, this is backwards. It yeah. Makes no
1: sense. Hundred percent. Yeah, Ryanair in Europe is class. You can just travel everywhere. But uh, that's funny. You say they're quid, eight quid. I always get that over here. They're like, what's a quid?
0: Oh yeah. I honestly, when I first got here. I didn't like why why can't people sometimes use pounds and people use quid and it's the same thing It's just like, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the same thing
1: Yeah yeah and um yeah it's funny there are a few lost in translations that happened when you go like I found out when I went to America like no one could understand me and I had to start changing the way I talked and everything Did you ever did you experience any of that in London?
0: It's cuz you say your mom your mom your mom Yeah your so, mom so the voice says <laughs> Yeah, man
1: yeah that's funny there's a few I, i'd be like yeah your man over there and then people go who's man my man who's man <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. but i think the one thing that rugby helps with it helps you like to realize different cultures and like to like to like talk with them with, with like how they talk there's some like some lingo and some words here like how they say things that i picked up here and like it's not even like i'm doing it on purpose like honestly it's like naturally like come to me that i just talk that way a little bit also i'm on my like i do my own little slang from where i'm from but like you just adapt to your surroundings like there's like a bunch of saffas there's a bunch of irish people saying your mind, and uh <laughs> there's the kiwis uh there's obviously londoners and stuff like that in manchester people it's all over bro it's good
1: it's good yeah that's that's so true and that is one of the cool things about rugby because there are all those different cultures like yeah. even when i went over you you boys like i started listening to migos drake way more like all that stuff yeah. like just small things like that yeah. bro it's, it's crazy like
0: i think mean, yeah i like i actually love london like definitely like lived here for a long time i didn't realize how much i liked it obviously it's hard being from my family but like i really really like london
1: that's good so yeah get to the prem spend a few years there go to the next world cup yeah we'll all, all be good
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's what it's, like, see, like, now, like, now I can say, like, I have a goal to play, I want to play in Paris 2023, of course, uh, but obviously back then, I didn't really picture that, but, like, yeah, I definitely want to play in, like, Paris 2023 and, like, whatever I can, I just want to play as much rugby I can before, before my time is up, Mm. maybe, like, maybe even live with a couple different places, I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's cool the way, yeah, like, you can, you were in the Brumbies as well for a while, weren't you?
0: Yeah, so some like some of that stuff is a blur. Like honestly it's like a blur to me because it all happened so quick. Um I don't remember, remember like I remember I was training with like obviously like now, it's like it's been like, Oh, that's cool. But like when I was like eighteen or nineteen or I think I was yeah, eighteen or nineteen, I was training with Chris Lee and like Pocock at the Brummese field. I'm like when I was there I was, like oh, this is sick, like these like fucking like these are like, all time greats. But yeah, it's crazy like how like shit goes. I remember me and Chance were working out in the Brummies in the Brummies gym, and like David uh, Pocock, was he was training. Then Chance uh, then uh, he wanted to check Chance's hand and introduce himself, and like Chance didn't know who he was. And he like shrugged him off. I was like <laughs> one of the best Lucys in the world. Um, oh. Yeah, was, <laughs> I was like what the hell. Um, that came about. Uh, JD knew honestly. I'm not really sure like what exactly happened. But I know JD uh, knew, had like an inside with a a club there and they had a connection with the Brumbies. So we played first grade or played Colts in first grade um over there with the Uni North Colts, which in Canberra, which everyone says Canberra's a shithole, but I actually love Canberra. But all, all these, like I've talked to and I know that says Canberra's a shithole because it's cold. um, But yeah, that's how that came about. And then we were there for a few months. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of random stuff that I've done. Like not even thinking about it. I remember I'm like I told you, this, but I moved. I, I lived in. I didn't live in China, but I stayed in China for a bit making
1: shoes. Oh like yeah,
0: that. Like that that random stuff is weird. Like, to me,
1: how did that come about?
0: The supporter, like the funders or whatever of the of the donators or whatever. What's the word? Um,
1: backers, they, yeah, the backers they, or whatever. Yeah, they, they just like
0: they they back the sevens, and um, they like obviously like these wealthy, pretty wealthy, well off people, and had good jobs, and obviously the sevens didn't get paid that well. So like they gave an opportunity like during the summer to like work or like to do like not odd jobs but like do some type of job. And one of the um the guys uh had like a shoe business, like a massive shoe company. Like I think he like distributed with like Walmart and stuff. So he was like a massive. So he and, he asked me, um, Brett Thompson did it like a couple years ago. Then I didn't really decide to, I didn't really get to pick what I wanted to do. Then just asked me, what y'all want to go to China? And I was like, Yeah. And then make shoes and like that. Yeah. Next thing I know, I was on a flight. But then making shoes in a little sweatshop. And off from there.
1: How long were you there for?
0: I was only there for like a month and a half. I think exactly.
1: And have you always been into that kind of stuff, like the like making shoes and the plants and like kind of doing I don't know different stuff for your hands and stuff.
0: Um, I haven't always, I can't say always, but I think COVID, like, obviously with, like, with COVID, so like, it's obviously like sad stuff. Like, obviously people went through a lot, but like, I don't say I had the best time during COVID, like I can imagine. Cause all I did, cause like all my roommates left, they went home and I stayed in, in San Diego. And all Really, I was doing is I was playing, uh, playing music constantly, um, and, uh, buying plants and like propagating plants and making candles i did that for like four months so that's when i was like i kind of like created i almost like changed a bit um during that time it was, it was it's crazy thing but also kind of cliche thing as well but like i had a great like covid like quarantine time i was just by myself and i obviously I, i'm naturally like a homebody an introvert so like this is the best life i can not i really can't complain from there
1: yeah, it's funny. I'm the exact same as you. I'm introverted, and I love the time as well. I was like, just doing my thing, reading books, doing some different stuff, and I was like, this is this is grand.
0: Yeah, I, I I actually got back into reading, but I'm not. It's weird because it, I've changed a bit. Like I don't like the self help or like the, like the the I don't like those books. I feel like they make me feel like shittier. I don't know why. This is me. I was talking to Ben Pinkelman about it a bit, and like I don't know. I feel like they paint a the picture. I'm not saying that obviously it works for everybody differently, but for me personally, I feel like those books make you almost kind of make you feel like shittier that you are feeling like that. Then like, but I don't know, I feel like they, everyone grew up in different background, Everyone sees things differently. So like, I feel like those books tell me how my life should be, but it's not, that's not the reality of, that's not how it goes. It's not that easy. And I, I feel like those books don't help me at all. I just feel like, that's why I, I switched to fiction, like only fiction books um oh, so i right. really i'm I'm, zipp, I'm zipping through fiction books like at the moment like zipping through it's crazy but yeah i feel like my whole book my one reading books is like super like it's just it's different nowadays i used to like i used to like those self-help books or like any like true like uh non-fiction books i used to like them um but i don't really like them anymore
1: yeah yeah i hear you no i, I see what you mean like as in yeah, you can kind of feel like you have a deficit all the time if you're reading those books. I love them. Like I do read like nonfiction, but I, I, I see exactly what you mean for sure. Because you're always, you're always then striving for something more. But I suppose there's good in that. I guess. Yeah. No, I get you. I, I, I
0: think, I think it works for everyone. I mean, it works for everyone differently.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And there's if yeah, diff, you're feeling different things at different times. Like I used to read yeah, like philosophy, yeah, and that then book. like um, like spirituality books and all that different stuff. And then like you, yeah, whatever. But uh, I was thinking of getting into fiction, but I literally have no idea what any good books you've read recently.
0: Uh, I'm reading a book. Um, I'm reading a book now. What's it called? It's called The Scorpion's Head. It's about it's about two like trained assassin killers, and one. Uh, is trained. If one is like assigned to kill, um, a a mother and a son, but the son reminds him of like a childhood, a childhood friend he he lost. So like obviously, like obviously, I'm like giving a brief summary about it. Yeah. But then, so he didn't want to. He didn't want to kill him anymore. So another killer who was assigned to kill him. So he kind of he, he kind of stopping them, the other guy killing the the kid and the mom. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. That one, that's, that's, that's the Scorpion's Head. And another one called Silent Patient. It's about, uh this woman is a painter, actually based in London. Obviously it's fiction, but it's uh based in London. Um, she's a painter, like a world famous painter, but she kills her husband. Ooh. And she doesn't talk for like 10 years. And there's this therapist who like obsessed with her and trying to figure out like why uh, she won't talk, but then some crazy at the end. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like it's been going. Honestly, I remember like one night, I, I finished. I finished in like maybe like four or five
1: hours. That's mad. I might get that one. The silent painter. That sounds good.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's good. No, it's silent patient. Yeah. Oh, patient,
1: patient, patient. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I was chatting to my little brother there a couple of um, a couple of days ago. He said he's playing with your brother now. That's mad.
0: That's crazy. I could have sworn. I could have sworn I saw someone guy named Morley on the, the roster for Lenin. I was like, "Hold on, is that is that old dude's brother?" I think, yeah. I didn't, I didn't like I saw Morley, but I didn't think of it like that could be your brother. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's funny that's how it crazy. works out, isn't it,
0: bro? yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's insane how rugby works out. Like, it blows my mind. It's like something I can't even put into words. Like how many people you know through other people, or like you end up playing together. It's crime, man. Hundred
1: percent. That's why.
0: That's why I love it. Like I love it so much. Honestly, I, like, and now I only really like the when the when the whistle blows, and when you have like a beer with your your teammates. Oh, everything outside like that, I don't really like anymore because obviously professional. There's a lot of things that like can make make it like not in, uh, enjoyable. But like when that whistle blows, and like when after the, in the locker room after with your boys, that's like that's like nothing nothing beats that.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's the that's the best part. And even like during COVID, I didn't play. Like there was no rugby on here except university i was still coaching but you kind of miss it but that's the that's the biggest thing like just being out there playing and then after a win having a couple of beers and yeah that's yeah that's what you miss
0: how do you like the coaching the coaching uh, playing See, i don't think i personally i don't think i cannot coach i don't think i'm a coach ever
1: yeah so i i love it it's funny like even when i when i met you when i was over at you i was player coach and like I was very yeah, much yeah, more yeah. a player back then, like i I was a player, like I never really coached, but then it was when I just started loving it um when I was in Lindawood, and like that environment like it was pretty cool like you you and all those boys like such good players, and like even doing video review, the setup like it was a very good environment, yeah. good players, good facilities, and I always would have been i believe that I always like read the game better than I was like yeah. I'm not like you I'm not a freak athlete like I'm not I'm not like you know what I mean like I I, I can't just yeah, go I, 7 I 15 this at the other like I was never yeah <laughs> but I just think I I read the game a lot better so it always came a lot easier yeah. to me so I don't know that was probably my strength and then when I just started coaching you boys I just I really loved it and then I did my shoulder so I couldn't play for like a year or eight or more
0: Oh yeah I do remember that
1: and I was just coaching full time yeah, and I was just coaching um, the Royals and coaching Linwood, and yeah, I just loved it. So then I was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna keep doing this." But then, then I, then when I got back fit, I was like, "I prefer coaching." And then now you go back playing, and there's just nothing like it. Like there is nothing like, as you say, when that whistle blows and you're just out having a crack and just go, you know, nothing yeah. compares. Yeah,
0: guess what keeps me going. If I if I did all the stuff you got to with outside rugby, I wouldn't play honestly. Um, but, yeah, that, when that whistle blows, yeah, it's fine. You it can either can, can
1: beat it. Yeah, what kind of stuff, uh, we'll let you go, you've unrealized your time, we'll let you go shortly, but uh, what kind of stuff outside of rugby in professional sport or professional do you not like? So, like, probably everyone listening to this is an amateur. You know what I mean? Like, what what's the stuff that changes once you become a professional?
0: It just, like, you, f- you feel like with any team you go into, like, there's always, like, one man's opinion about, if he thinks you're good or he thinks you're not good enough. And it's like, I also, when I was younger um, or even, like, even recently sometimes I get frustrated. Like I feel like I put in the work, I'm good enough to be here, but sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't go your way. So selection process is always like very, cause like, even with me in the world cup, I feel like I personally feel like, I should play played more than I did. Um, but then like, that's, that's what I went on earlier about like not caring or like, it, it, like everything happens for a reason. Like that's how it goes. Like you can't really do anything. The only thing you can do is like keep going and like do put your best effort. So like selections, like opinions of other people that are thinking about you. And honestly, like even like with like like mental stuff. Like for me, it, me seeing, I feel like I'm a good enough player where I can play certain places, but I just haven't got an opportunity. So like I remember I, I I got off Instagram because I couldn't I couldn't I didn't want to see any rugby anymore. I just couldn't bear it because I feel like. Uh, I should have had the opportunity, or I should have did that, or I should have did this, or, like, I should have been there, or, like, that. And it's not, like, I don't think the other people deserve it. I just think, like, I think I'm a good player, and I just, like, I back myself to do that, and that's want the opportunity to show people I can do that. But then it's, like, sometimes it, doesn't, it just don't go your way. Then, like, that's when I go back on, like, everything happened for a reason. It's, like, if it don't happen, it don't happen. You just got to enjoy it and, like, take for what it is. I think, like, things like the selection process, like, contract i'm not making the right team i moved half across the world to play rugby um so i left like i left family i left like friends like i came here in two bags in a backpack like i didn't know anybody um so like yeah it's all about those things like the small things that no one really would picture but like when i come home like who, who i talk to when i got home obviously you can facetime anybody But like being there in like real life is like way different from being compared to like on the phone um so things like that like, that's the outside things like Social media is like does. Uh, I mean, it's so much good in social media, but it's so much bad for me personally. It's so much bad into it as well. Um, so yeah, stuff like selection and like performance and like. So yeah, sometimes I feel like if I have like if I miss a tackle, then like that's like the end of the world. Like I can't play anymore. Like, but that's like that's not it because rugby's not perfect. Then you you gonna make me like and like let's say like I start one week and get dropped the next. I used to think like uh, that like I shouldn't get dropped. Why I get dropped? Like now my life's over. But like. It won't be the last time you get dropped, and it wasn't the first time I, I got dropped, so it's gonna be okay. If it happened, it happened. That's yeah. how I go about now. But it, 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 honestly, it used to kill me. It used to like you used to kill me, man.
1: Bro, yeah, that's so true. That's unreal. That's that's such a good mindset to take on. I was the exact same. Like you get like you get dropped, and then you think you're a piece of shit.
0: Yeah, yeah honestly, that's how it is. Because like you're so competitive, and you're so like yeah, just like you want to play, and you're like bro. Yeah, you think you think you literally when when rugby not going good, it really feels like life's like over. It's like the worst. Like you don't like you don't want to be here anymore. And it's like obviously like everyone's different, but like that's how I was at times. I was like I don't even want to play anymore because like I'm the stress, me like not sleeping at night. And it's not and it's hard to like I, I feel like it's hard for people who don't play a sport or athletic sport. They like kind of understand. That. I think they would get in the way, but it honestly feels like your life's ending because you got dropped or like. You got an injury or something like that. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And it's so good that you've got. You're so young, and you've got that. You've understood that, and been able to get that mindset of like rugby is just that thing over there. That like, yeah. I do. I you know. I do for whatever two hours a day and have a and just start enjoying it and not caring about. I suppose just kind of power in that. Like if you don't care what happens, like you say, like you've been saying, yeah. Like if whatever happens happens, you don't care, and then it's like you you stop getting so worried about it.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, if you, just, if you just don't care, like, obviously, there's this there's point, there's like there's like levels to not caring. Not caring and not trying is that's nothing, no go, because obviously, it's disrespectful. And-
1: no, different. No, I get you. Like, you, you try your best, you give absolutely everything you got, but if it doesn't work out, like you say, it's one person's opinion. And that's what I didn't realize when I was younger, in that one coach, and even I see it now as a coach, one coach picks a team, and that's one person's opinion. And they might, for whatever reason, pick this team, but you, um invest and in so much into that one decision and you you like think about it for weeks or you know what I mean? But it's literally just yeah. one person's opinion.
0: And and that won't, and that won't be your last coach. Like like whatever happens, like if the US coach didn't pick me that he won't be he won't be my last coach or like if my club coach picked me, he won't be my last coach. There'll be many more coaches. And like yeah you just gotta go with the punches and like obviously like everyone wants to play but like even like here at Ealing sometimes I don't get picked. But honestly, I just want the best team to play, and I want the boys to win. I just want them to get to the only to get to the prem, and that's my goal. Obviously, I want them to start every game. Who doesn't want to start every game? But like, if I don't get picked one weekend, it's not like I'm just like drop down like at training. I'm like to get the boys ready. Like the the boys make the culture, and like it will keep me going. If it wasn't for the boys, I don't know what I'll be doing. Um, and like the culture of the team, um, so that that keeps you going. Like that's how that's how you keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's class. Well, hey, bro, you've been on real time and brilliant catching up with you.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a bit. It
1: just... It's been good, yeah. Hey, best of luck for the rest of the season and, uh, yeah, hopefully promotion and see you on the big stage next year.
0: Yeah, hopefully we, hopefully we get there. But I'll keep in touch. I'll give you a shot a little later, but it was good chatting to you, bro.
1: Hope you enjoyed the episode. Apologies that the sound was a bit off. That'll be fixed going forward. I really enjoyed catching up with Malon. It's unreal all that he has accomplished so far. As I said in the intro, he moved from Lindenwood when he was 18 to San Diego to play at the sevens, and the amount he's done since then is, is unreal. Getting to a World Cup, playing sevens on the circuit, playing 15s, and now in the championship, and yeah, I've no doubt that he'll, he'll realize his dream and get to the Prem next year. I think it's really brilliant the outlook as well that he has now in that he says he doesn't care so much anymore and i know he was eager i could tell he was eager in the pod to make sure that it didn't come across the wrong way and that it didn't sound like that he doesn't try but i know malon he's so laid back and yeah he's just saying that all he can do is work hard do his best and he doesn't need to be stressing over things all the time and that's so true it's nearly become a bit cliched now i think but the saying or mindset of control the controllables is so powerful i used to hear it a lot when i was younger but i didn't really understand what it meant and it just means that do everything that you can do control what you can and then don't worry about anything else because i think everyone at times worries about things that are out of their control And it's just so important to constantly remind yourself that all you can do is all that you can do. And whatever happens outside of that is out of your control and there's no point in worrying about it. And yeah, I thought that was just class what Mailham was getting at. If you enjoyed the episode or any others, please send the podcast on some friends or put it in your WhatsApp group. I'd really, really appreciate that. And also for anyone listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could leave a rating and a review, that would really really help. On Instagram, I'm the Off Field Rugby Coach, that's at OffField Rugby. Please follow me there and if you have any thoughts or feedback for the pod, please send me a DM. Would love to hear them. Thanks for clicking in today, really appreciate you taking the time. Cheers.